It's HSK Today, a weekly in-depth look at the Henderson Silver Knights and the AHL with your host, Brian McCormick. And here we go, live from the Orleans Arena. I'm sitting up in the broadcast booth as uh, well, it seemed like a good place to stop in for a pit stop and stay in an HSK frame of mind for HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Brian Hammer on the other side of the glass as he joins us uh, one of the new additions to our broadcast family on the HSK side. As we get ready for horse hockey this weekend, the Silver Knights taking on the Tucson Roadrunners for a pair of games Friday and Saturday night to wrap up this five-game homestand, which is and has been the longest homestand the Silver Knights will have until the final five games of the season. The last five games of the year will all be played at Dollar Loan Center by that time. Uh, so there's been plenty of HSK in the Vegas Valley over the last week or so, and the results have been somewhat mixed. We'll discuss that. Uh, we'll talk with Braden Pahal in the next segment, talk about his strong start to the season and uh, the leadership role that he's developed a little bit in the early going as the Silver Knights have been, uh, they've not yet announced full-time captains, assistant captains for this season, but there has been an A on the chest of Braden Paul in the early going, so we'll talk about that role for him. Kim Frank, the president of the VGK Foundation, will hop on at the bottom of the hour as we talk about Military Appreciation Night, which has been announced for Saturday night. So we'll get some details from Kim Frank uh, as to what fans can look forward to. And we're also going to have uh, try to reintroduce some of the fun to the show. We've been running around a little bit with a busy start of the season. Some of the uh, more gimmicky elements of the show that we had last year, uh, whether you like them or not. If you don't like them, then tell me. But uh, we'll have uh, Hockey IQ is what we call it, where we ask uh, NHL trivia to the HSK players and or staff and well, we find out what they know. And I think that's kind of fun because we see players that uh, commit their entire lives to the game of hockey. They spend hours every single day honing their craft. And, you know, it's hard to do that unless you're a hockey fan. And most of these people, when they're not at the rink, they're watching hockey. They grew up playing, watching hockey 24-7. So there's got to be a, a breadth of knowledge there. Well, we figure out for ourselves. And, and we also try to figure out the generational gap. I'm 32 years old. Are there things that I know from the back of my hand? Uh, from the mid-90s that uh, players who are 21 years old today know nothing about. My experience thus far has told me yes, but uh, for our first edition, which we'll have at the end of the show, we'll uh, establish our baseline, which was me talking to the coaches who are older than I am. So if I know it, they should know it, and we'll find out uh, what their NHL knowledge is with useless trivia. So all of that is well and good and fun, but of course, this is a Silver Knights show, a branch of Vegas Golden Knights overall, and there's no way we can hop on the air without discussing uh, the Jack Eichel news that came down this morning as well. So we'll touch on that. So a busy afternoon. If you want to reach out to the show, uh, we always welcome your comments and thoughts. You can tweet me directly at Brian J. McCormick, at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, J. McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K. And that's uh, how you can give us a shout and let us know what's on your mind. So let's let's start first things first. Most of this segment is going to be dedicated to Eichel audio and analysis, as Kelly McCrimmon uh, and other members of the brass spoke with the press this morning. But we'll start off just to reflect on last night's performance for the Henderson Silver Knights, a 5-2 loss to the Ontario Reign, their first meeting with the Reign this season. And uh, you know what, what can be gathered from that? You know, it's a Silver Knights team. We've had so much opportunity over the course of the first three weeks of the season or so to talk about 
the injuries and the opportunities it presented for younger players who were going to be in an augmented role, but also how you know, you kind of look ahead and you want to get healthier. You want to get back to a uh, a regular lineup or, or a lineup as you drew it up in the offseason might be the best way to phrase it. And for the Silver Knights, sometimes as you get healthier, it kind of sneaks up on you. Silver Knights are not back where they want to be just yet in terms of bodies out of the training room. Again, later on in the season, they should be able to add the likes of Jake Bischoff, Leighton Ahak, Reed Duke, Alan Quine. Those are going to be huge uh, additions when they come, but those those appear to be a, a ways off. For the missing personnel from the first couple of weeks of the season, though, you realize last night Jack Dugan comes back into the lineup, his first game since opening night. With his return, they're not 100% back, but there's a lot of players that have made their return now. Now, the roster strain for Henderson, it hasn't just been the Silver Knights, their own uh, trainer room issues or, or their, you know, their own uh, injuries at this level. Some of it, too, has been the trickle-up effect from the Vegas Golden Knights, whose injury problems have been well-documented, and that is why the likes of Jonas Rombjörg, Jake LeCision, they're, they're still up at the NHL level. And again, the way they play, they, they may never come back down regardless of what the injury situation is. We don't know. But the point is, again, in terms of getting back to a 100% as-designed lineup for the Silver Knights, still not there. Having you know, The point being, though, look at the lineup they put out last night. Gage Quinney is back in. He played his third straight game. That's good news for the Silver Knights. Jack Dugan was back in. Uh, they've gotten back Lucas Elvinus, who was uh, out uh, uh, for the Abbotsford trip. He's now ba been back in for a couple of games. They are playing seven defensemen still, and that speaks to some of the uh, the injury issues. But Peter Dilibatori, over the last two games, has been among their better forwards. Uh, and the, the defense, Derek Pouliot, Caden Korzak, Ian Makashin, Daniil Miramanov, Zach Hayes, Braden Pahal. Zach Hayes, another player who came back into the mix. That's pretty much what you expect your back end to look like. So all of that is to say... Though the Silver Knights would be a team that would be happy to see the return of Jake LeCision or Jonas Rombjörg if that was the way the cards fell, this is no longer, I don't think, a team that is you know limping through and waiting for, for reinforcements. Yes, there's more talent that uh, will be working its way back into the lineup at some point, but this is, a, this is an AHL lineup that, that can win hockey games on any given night, what they put out last night. Uh, could be, you know, it'll be stronger as they get healthier with it. But this is pretty much a, a an expected AHL lineup as opposed to Abbotsford where they were playing with largely two and a half lines. So you can take the Ontario result last night, a 5-2 loss, kind of at face value. This is an Ontario team that right now is, is very much uh, well stocked. And when you went into last night's game, you probably say to yourself, like, okay, who are the players that I don't want to hurt me. And this uh, Ontario team that's now 7-0-1, so it's, it's, uh, they're, not, they're not fooling anybody. They're just flat-out good. A team that was extremely young last year and relied a lot on teenagers, really, to, to fuel their, their lineup. Uh, now a lot of those young players and, and early 20-year-olds have uh, graduated to the next step. Uh, Quentin Byfield has been injured, but he was a, a fixture last year. Rasmus Kupari, Arthur Kaliev, those are mainstay NHLers right now for the LA Kings who have some injuries of their own. Um, so we see for Ontario this year a lot more veteran presence, a lot more veteran savvy, a team that's built to win in the AHL and not just develop younger players. So TJ Tynan, the reigning AHL MVP from last season when he was with Colorado, 
He had two goals and three points. Martin Furk, who is a former AHL All-Star, a Calder Cup winner with the Grand Rapids Griffins, he had two goals and two assists. The big names who you want to look out for, and frankly they, they played on a line together along with Braden Burke, uh, they did the the majority of the damage. So talking to players earlier today for the for the Silver Knights and, and staff, they were very happy with their first period, as they should have been. They had a one nothing lead, and they had 16 shots on goal. When the penalty trouble started in the second period, and, and really when the shorthanded goal was surrendered to Sean Dersey, that was where you felt a little bit of a shift in the momentum, uh, a little bit, where the Ontario Reign had, had some life. Uh, but really the, the, the real momentum swing was the Pavel Dorofiev breakaway, a puck that went off the post and then rattled to the goal line, swept off the goal line by Matthew Valalta and immediately fired down the other end for a Martin Furk breakaway. You talk about swings literally and figuratively, both the emotions in the building but also the opportunism for Martin Furk getting a breakaway five seconds after Pavel Dorofiev was not able to convert on his breakaway chance and Martin Furk does score that was where you could just tell it was a uh, a two goal lead for Ontario at the time, but the kind of of game where the the rain had taken things over and, and had the personnel to to cement it. So you know, for the Silver Knights, the the lessons to be learned, I think, is that yes, they need better performances from their power play. Yes, they need to do a better job when you have an identifiable threat the other way. If you're going to make four or five mistakes in the game, but they're all against the top line, well, that's going to hurt you. I, I, I kind of compared last night when I was talking to some of the people around the building, and maybe it's a bad comparison, but it's what came to mind for me. You know, if you're a starting pitcher and you go seven innings and give up three hits, that's a pretty good day. But if all three hits were home runs and you lose 5 nothing, well, it's you still did some good things, but th there's a reason why it's a bit of a, of a gap on the scoreboard. That's kind of what the Silver Knights did last night. They did a lot of good things. They maintained possession of play for all of the first period and for stretches of the second. But when they made their mistakes, they were glaring mistakes, and they were fastballs grooved right down in the middle to the two batters in the lineup you can't do that to. So that's what the Silver Knights will try to, uh, to correct, but it, I think it's worth recognizing that not only do they need to, to correct them and, and, and retool themselves against the Roadrunners who come for uh, for the first meetings of the season this year against the Henderson Silver Knights after the teams met twice in the preseason. Uh, and for the Tucson Roadrunners, a team that's gotten off to a uh, an okay start. They're 500, 3-3 three three through six games. Uh, for the Silver Knights, they need to retool, and it's no longer a conversation of, okay, we're working through injuries, we're waiting to get our lineup back. That's still true, and that's always going to be the case for any team in the American Hockey League. But right now, I think the Silver Knights have gotten enough bodies back uh, in the mix that they should now have the expectations of, okay, it's not a matter of waiting, it's a matter of converting and doing so now. Uh, so we'll see what the Silver Knights have in store tomorrow night when the Roadrunners make their first appearance at the Orleans. Okay, let's get to the Jack Eichel stuff uh, quickly. And right off the top, we'll play the audio that we heard from Kelly McCrimmon earlier today when he spoke on the acquisition of Jack Eichel. Here's what Kelly McCrimmon had to say. In Jack Eichel, we are getting uh, a player that I think is one of the top players in the league, one of the top centers uh, in the league. He's uh, in the prime of uh, his career as a player who's just turned 25 uh, years old. It addresses uh, a need in our organization. It, it, uh, you know, for me, when you look at what uh, an NHL contending team should look like, he's a really important piece uh, of that. I know when we brought in Alex Petrangelo, one of the 
or part of the motivation behind that addition was a Stanley Cup champion needs a defenseman like that. And we feel the same way about an elite center. And Jack, uh, Jack gives us that. Uh, the price was high uh, for him, obviously, in the terms of what uh, we have sent to Buffalo. But at the same time, for a player of, uh, of this ilk, it should be high. And that was Kelly McCrimmon. As he mentioned, a high price, but that's uh, that wasn't going to be uh, unexpected as the price going the other way was Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a conditional first rounder and a conditional second rounder. Uh, and a third rounder coming back from Buffalo as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you knew it was going to cost a, a good amount. And, and frankly, I, I think for some, they might have thought it might have cost even more uh, to get Jack Eichel. But uh, for the Silver Knights fan base, one player that goes the other way that they are familiar with is Peyton Krebs. Uh, and that was uh, touched on by Kelly McCrimmon as well. And Peyton Krebs, a uh, quality young man, uh, a high draft pick of our uh, of our team and a uh, player that had made the NHL uh, right out of camp. I think he's going to have a long career as a real uh, productive forward. He's a player that uh, coaches love, whether it's his coaches in junior, his coaches in Canada's national junior team. Uh, last year, his time that he spent uh, in the American Hockey League with our team in Henderson, and uh, and then this year with uh, with our NHL team under uh, Pete DeBoer. So uh, again, with Peyton, we wish him. Uh, a great career. I, uh, I hope that he does really, really well. And uh, to give a little bit of uh, context to just how special Peyton Krebs can be, uh, getting his feet wet still at the National Hockey League level as, as a rookie and uh, was playing an, an augmented role on a top six position for the Vegas Golden Knights over the last week or so. Um, he played two games with the Henderson Silver Knights and had five assists until yesterday when Peter Dillabatori picked up another point. Uh, he led the Silver Knights in absentia in points up until last night. So uh, certainly a, a good pickup for the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to the, the next clip, too, before we talk about it in a little bit more depth. But uh, Kelly McCrimmon also spoke about how, you know, we've seen the Silver Knights and uh, the Golden Knights involved in a lot of these uh, acquisitions when big players are available. And uh, McCrimmon said they're not in on every move, but they're in on the right ones. Yeah, the, the, the NHL is an uh, always evolving league. There's situations with respect to players' contracts that uh, might make them available. There's situations with salary cap that might make players available. There's situations with the wishes of players. I think you see now uh, a lot of star players are um, you know, looking at shorter deals to maintain a little more flexibility or control on their future. So there's different situations that uh, present themselves and uh, we're not always interested in every, uh, every situation that, uh, that comes forward. There's certain players that uh, we have aggressively uh, you know, gone after and tried to bring into our organization. Uh, Jack is one of those. And you know, the, the age of the player, he's, he's uh, 25 years old. When you look at uh, you know, the National Hockey League, uh, I guess as a whole, uh, who those top centers are when you look at the Western Conference and you've got you know, a Connor McDavid, you've got a Nathan McKinnon, you've got an Anzi Kopitar, you go to the East, you've got you know, your Barkovs, your Barzells, Crosbys, Malkins, uh, I'm sure I'm, uh, I'm missing uh, a few, but you've got that elite layer uh, of player uh, that uh, I think Jack uh, comfortably uh, slots into and because of that, and, and again, uh, you know, based on what I would say 
um, you know, that we've identified as a need. If we could address it the, this way, we, uh, we felt that we would not be uh, doing our organization justice to, uh, uh, to fail to pursue it. So uh, that's, uh, that's the approach that we took. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to complete a trade. There's lots of teams and uh, our own included where you have discussions with teams and there's not, uh, there's not a finish line in sight or a fit or, uh, or a price that teams are comfortable with uh, either giving or receiving. So, um, you know, when Jack Eichel was available, when it was apparent that he uh, may be moved, I guess what we knew to start with is we were interested. And from there, uh, that brings us uh, to today. And that was Kelly McCrimmon. We're going to talk about this in a little bit more detail, probably a little towards the bottom of the hour. Right now we're going to hop off so we can get Braden Pahal in for our next segment. But I think the things you come away from the decision this morning was uh, it was a, one of the best players in the National Hockey League when he's on the ice, and Jack Eichel does have a medical procedure he's going to need before he can join the Golden Knights. And uh, it sounds like the timelines I've been seeing probably in, in the two-month range is a, is a guesstimate. But uh, he's a player that makes the, silver, the Golden Knights better. It's a Golden Knights team that already has pushed their chips to the middle of the table a couple of times in the last few years to get a cup ring. Uh, and we'll discuss when we when we flesh this out. Uh, some fans are, are disappointed. I think I think fans are excited about Jack Eichel, but you know, there's that, oh, I wish we didn't have to get rid of Peyton Krebs. Of course they feel that way. Yeah, but you have to give something to get something. And a lot of first-round picks for the Golden Knights in their existence have found themselves in new addresses, but that's one of the things that happens when you find yourself doing something that uh, isn't heard of, really, for an expansion team, which is competing immediately. And that's where you draft players to be good players for your organization, but they're also assets. And if you can cash in a hopeful for a sure thing, it's a good transaction when it when it pans out that way, and that's uh, kind of what we see with the Jack Eichel decision today. We're going to hash all this out uh, again in more detail, but right now we'll step aside, and when we come back, we'll be joined by defenseman Braden Pahal as he walks us through the opening month of the regular season for the Silver Knights. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. The Henderson Silver Knights getting ready for two games this weekend, tomorrow and Saturday against the Tucson Roadrunners. And to help us preview the weekend, we're joined by Silver Knights defenseman Braden Pahal. Braden, thanks for taking a few minutes. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So, Braden, first of all, just to look at last night's result against Ontario, you could argue you guys maybe had your best period of the season in the first period against the Rain, uh, and then some of the uh, the marquee names for Ontario uh, showed up in the second period in TJ Tynan and Martin Ferg. How did you guys feel about how that game evolved from beginning to end? Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, we had one of our best periods of the season, and uh, something we can build off of. But at the same time, uh, we gave them a lot of chances at the, you know, second and third. So I think uh, it was nothing that they did. It was what we did to ourselves. So uh, it's a learning experience and something that we'll work on and get better from. One of the big differences between last season in the AHL and this season is that last year, of course, there was the taxi squad for the NHL teams, the practice squads. Uh, and then uh, there were, of course, many younger players of junior age because there was no OHL uh, season or a Quebec major season. So I'm, I'm curious, is there a noticeable difference on the ice this year with 
players across the way, like Tynan, like Ferk, who, who might have been taxi squad players last year, but now are back in the American Hockey League. Yeah, I think it's very noticeable. Uh, essentially, it was every team's top players were either you know with the NHL club or on the taxi squad. So when you get those guys back in the lineup down here, it, it makes the league a lot better, and uh, you know it's, it's it's a good thing. With Braden Pahal, Silver Knights defenseman, Braden, uh, you've worn an, uh, an A on your sweater for uh, several games at the start of the season. I know that they haven't announced captains or assistant captains yet uh, officially, but uh, you've had a leadership role in the in the early going. Is that a uh, a role you enjoy? And, and has it? Do you feel any different uh, this year than last with uh, that kind of responsibility for the games that you've had? It. Yeah, I don't think there's any difference. Um, I think the way I look at it is. I have on those one for the reason, so I'm not going to change who I am or or the way I play. Uh, I just have to lead lead by the way uh, you know the coaches see in me, and um, it's an honor to wear that. So um, anytime you can have that on your sweater, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, uh, like I said, it's an honor. You scored a power play goal against Bakersfield last week. You were a player who who got a little bit more power play time than we saw last year. And again, we've talked about. Uh, some players getting opportunities with the the roster configuration to start the season. Uh, have you have you found yourself uh, having more offensive opportunity in the in the first handful of games? Yeah, I think it's it's something that I haven't haven't done in a long while. Uh, I haven't been a power play guy in, in junior or or in the pro ranks yet. So I think anytime you can get that opportunity and show what you can do, it's it's a big deal. Um, I think for me, you know, I'm not necessarily a power play guy, but uh, Whenever the coaches call your name, you're going to step up and try your best. When that does happen, what what do you try to to focus on? Is it just a matter of getting shots through? Because you've sat in the film room like anyone else. You you know what is required of a power play uh, piece. You, again, you've been watching and playing hockey for two decades, so you know what it's supposed to be. When you're actually in the spot, though, what do you try to, to focus on executing? Yeah, I think we just focus on the pre-scout. Uh, the coaches put in a lot of work. Uh, to get us the information that we need uh, just to kind of know their tendencies uh, and then just kind of run run our plays from there. With Braden Pahal, of course, uh, your your defensive exploits well-established and, and the physicality. Uh, have you found this year the, uh, the work you guys have had in your defensive zone, especially in third periods where you guys, prior to the last two games, uh, spent a lot of time in your end protecting leads? Uh, how's the D-zone structure been for you guys? Yeah, I think uh, you know we're it's still early in the season, so uh, there's things that we need to work on. Uh, we've been working really hard on it in practice, but I think when we when we jump to check and and get onto their guys as as quick as we can and kind of play that swarm game that we're supposed to, uh, we're a really tough team to play in our defensive end. And I think when you take uh, pride in, in the defensive zone, you get a lot more time in the O zone and. You know, nobody wants to play in the D zone. So anytime you can get in the offensive zone, it's a good thing. And with our uh, defensive structure, it's, it should be a quick exit and uh, get get going offensively. One of my favorite stats about you, Braden, is your last year of, of junior in Prince Albert. You were a plus 76. That was the best mark uh, in the Western Hockey League. And I think third on that list was, was Zach Hayes, your teammate, who I think was maybe a plus 71 or plus 72. Uh, do you hold that over him? <laughs> not really. Uh, we had a really good team that year, so um, you know it was it was a lot a lot to do with that. Um, 
but you know we me and Hazy have been playing together for a long time and we're a really good duo we work really well together so uh, hopefully we can bring a couple of those pluses to the Silver Knights are you guys friends off the ice as well of course all of you guys get along but you guys have known each other for several years I, I imagine that you guys uh having played together been partners together at different stretches that that the uh the relationship probably extends beyond the rink yeah we're we're best friends we work together we spend a lot of time together so uh it's amazing uh not too many people can say that you know they they were deep partners for for a few years together in junior and then you know doing the same thing with the same team in pro it's it's pretty special you were also a deep partner uh during the abbotsford weekend with derek pouliot uh, both of you from Estevan, Saskatchewan. I don't know off offhand how many hockey players Estevan produces. I'm sure a handful, but I, I wonder how many D pairings there have been exclusively Estevan products uh, in the pro ranks. Yeah, I don't think there there's too many. There's not too many people uh, from a town of, of around 10,000 playing pro. So I think there's three of us right now in the American League, and uh, it's pretty cool to have two of them on the same team. Was he a player? Because he's a few years ahead of you. When when he got drafted, and when when you know growing up in Estevan, was he a player that that you knew of, and and uh, I don't know, one of the older kids you looked up to, or or was there really no uh, familiarity there? Yeah, I, I knew who he was. He uh, he was born in Estevan, but he grew up about an hour away in Weyburn. Mm. Um, but everybody knew who he was. Obviously, a highly touted guy. Um, you know, when I was kind of growing up, he was. He was in, in juniors and on that dynasty team in Portland. So uh, we, you know, he's kind of a guy you look up to playing in the same leagues growing up. Uh, me and him played on the same same team for the same coach in, in midgets. And it's kind of funny, you know, talking to him and looking back on guys he would have played against that uh, I grew up, grew up with or my sisters grew up with, stuff like that. Talking to Braden Pahal, one more to get back to the plus-minus question because you've you've had some uh, good plus-minus seasons as a as a strong defensive player. We live in an era now where there's a very little credence given by some to the plus-minus stat. They'd rather look at the Corsi stat or other advanced analytics. Which, if you were plus seventy-six, I'm sure those numbers checked out pretty darn well too. Do you feel that way? Because I understand the uh, the argument that a plus two or a plus three might be deceiving, but I don't know if you're plus thirty and up. I feel like that's probably pretty indicative of someone who's who's playing well in their own end. Yeah, I think it's it's something that that I take pride in. Um, you know, not necessarily a guy that's going to put up fifty points a season, but if I can be a plus player, that's that's a good thing. Uh, being good in your own end is is something that I really take pride in. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know plus minus has a lot to do with 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 your team and and how good the team's doing. So. Um, if you got a good team, your plus minus is going to show that way, but uh, a lot of it starts in your own end. Your la uh, your nickname is Pickle. Now, if you look at your uh, last name, you can understand where that probably came from. I'm curious when that started. Yeah, it's it started a long time ago. I think I was, I was about seven or eight, just at a, at a spring hockey uh, event, and uh, one of the announcers, I think I got a goal or something, and uh, one of the announcers pronounced my last name for Cal, so. <laughs> all the all the moms on the team kind of started calling me that, and ever since then it's kind of stuck. Well, I'd be happy not to repeat the mistake, but if you like it, I'm glad to dive on that grenade for you. Uh, <laughs> Braden, be before we let you go, two games against Tucson to wrap up this homestand. Uh, you saw 
the Roadrunners during the preseason. Of course, rosters change a little bit once the regular season begins. But uh, anything that you guys learned in the preseason for some of their personnel that uh, that applies for the next two games? Yeah, I think if you look at the preseason games, they're physical. Uh, they're a really tough team to play against. And uh, it's our first time playing them in the regular season, but we're going to see them a lot. So uh, it's really important to get the, these two games um, getting the win call in these two games and uh, start the season off against them on the right foot. But uh, I'm expecting a, a physical battle. They're, they're a hard team to play against. They come at you quick, and uh, you know we'll, we got to match that. Braden Paul, appreciate your time this afternoon. We look forward to watching you this weekend. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Brian. That was defenseman Braden Pahal. We will step aside, and when we return, we'll be joined by Kim Frank, the president of the VGK Foundation, as we get ready for Military Appreciation Night this Saturday at the Orleans Arena. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 of the game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. The Henderson Silver Knights getting ready for two contests this weekend on home ice against the Tucson Roadrunners. And Saturday night will be the first military appreciation night for the Henderson Silver Knights. And to help talk about, well, what the Silver Knights have planned, we have the president of the VGK Foundation, Miss Kim Frank. Kim, thanks so much for hopping on with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Kim, right off the top for the Silver Knights, the Military Appreciation Night, if you look at the entire community relations structure of what the VGK have done over five years, from the very beginning there's been a very close connection between the organization and military service, really going back to the, the naming of the franchise even. Why is Military Appreciation Night so important? Yeah, well, absolutely, military. You know, we want to honor all of our military members, current, active, as well as veterans, um, you know, supporting our country. Um, Bill Foley, our owner, he is a West Point grad. He feels very strongly about the military and supporting family members as well as our active duty. And for fans in the Vegas Valley, you know, if you've lived here, you're well aware that there is a very strong concentration of service members and their families in the Vegas Valley as well. Yes, you know, with Nellis being just down the road, and I say just down the road, about an hour away, um, you know, when we can, we've got we've gone out to Nellis. They come out; they're supportive of us. We, you know, we love the the community with all the military members that are, live in Las Vegas or just on the outskirts of the city. We're with Kim Frank, the president of the VGK Foundation. So, what the Silver Knights will do on Saturday night? They will be wearing Military Appreciation uh, Night theme jerseys. Uh, and, of course, the VGK have worn theme jerseys in the past during warm-ups, but for the Silver Knights, they'll wear them for the entire game, which means that any fan that purchases one is going to have the opportunity to have not only a, a cool novelty item, but also something that's game-worn. Exactly. It'll be the first one. So it's the first-ever military um, jersey for the Silver Knights, and all of those proceeds will go back to the Henderson Silver Knights Foundation, which is the first jersey that we'll be auctioning off for the group and um, or for the team. And that money we will then put back into the community and really help support our military members here in Las Vegas. You know what I think is also pretty neat is, is the idea that the jerseys, they're not being auctioned off after the game. They're being auctioned off during the game. 
So, Absolutely. You, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kim. No, please, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, and in addition to that, you don't have to be at the game. You can do it online. So all of the bidding is online. They're going to be autographed, and you'll be watching the players wear them as you're bidding on them. And all that money, as you mentioned, goes back to the uh, HSK Foundation. What are, what are some of the uh, – What's the mission, I suppose, for the VGK Foundation and the HSK Foundation? Of course, it's, it's community service, but uh, you, you know, what, what goes into the, the planning for the initiatives that you guys do take up? Yes, yeah, so, obvious, uh, well, maybe not obviously, but we're here to support the community, um, Las Vegas, Henderson, um, North Las Vegas, uh, the state of Nevada. And then we have pillars to promote youth through sports, health and wellness, uh, help strengthen the education efforts, um, and then first responders and veterans, as well as um, hunger and homelessness. So it's a mouthful, but we're here <laughs> to really help where, what is needed here in the community. Um, and with this first one that we get to do for Henderson and then with VGK um, the following week, we really are going to kick it off with um, military responsiveness and, you know, and supporting them. And with Veterans Day next week, that was kind of our mindset around um, the two dates for both teams. Now, this is the first military appreciation night for the Silver Knights because, of course, last year was such a, an unusual season, and now we have the opportunity to do things like this uh, for the first time on the HSK side. But you've been able to do military initiatives for the VGK in the past, and I, I'm curious where that ranks for the fan base in terms of, of the responsiveness that you guys get in terms of you know, what, what uh, causes really drive the community here. Is military appreciation one of the more popular? Military, you know, our fans are so awesome. They actually support all all of them. But our military initiation, our our military appreciation is large um, and exciting. And you know, you can see it at every game, and then especially on military night, like during the games when we do the um, salute, the, uh, you, people are standing up, they're listening, they're cheering for our active and our retired um, military members. And then we're excited to see with Henderson. We have given some tickets out as well to bring some of our military members out to the game. Well, that's terrific. And again, fans, whether they're there or not, can bid on these game-worn jerseys. HSKmilitary.givesmart.com. That's HSKmilitary.givesmart.com. Or they can text HSKmilitary to 76278. 76278. Uh, Kim, I, I, before I let you go, I'm just curious. I haven't seen the jersey yet. I'm wondering if you have, because that's what I think a lot of fans are always excited for, is what's this design going to look like? So I have seen just bits and pieces. I have not had my hands on a full jersey, so I can't give away too much of what it is. But it's, it, I know that people love the Nevada Day jerseys, but I really think this one's going to be awesome too. Kim Frank, the president of the VGK Foundation, also at the top of the Folded Flag Foundation as well. We know that this is uh, a cause that's near and dear to you. They all are, but this is an important weekend, and uh, we really appreciate you hopping on to help us uh, promote the first Military Appreciation Night. Thank you, and we appreciate all the support for our military members. That is Kim Frank, and uh, great of her to hop on with us. And uh, we'll speak with her more as the year goes on because there are going to be more theme nights and causes and, and uh, really you know, the community initiatives that we enjoy doing, everyone enjoys doing, of course, but I, I think there's some element of minor league sports that really does allow uh, teams to, to give, uh, I don't want to say – more time, but I think for the players, there's just a little bit more availability and, and a little bit more of a, a close-knit element with the community that uh, that can be had. So uh, we look forward to that this season. We're going to step aside, and when we come back, we'll just touch a little bit more on the Eichel news of the day uh, and also wrap things up with Hockey IQ. That's straight ahead on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you on the Silver Knights Radio Network. Guess what? 
I got a fever. And the only prescription is more... HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. Special thanks to Braden Pahal for joining us on the program today, as well as VGK Foundation President Kim Frank. Uh, before we say goodbye, we've, we've got a few minutes to, to cover here. Um, we're going to bring back some of the fun games we had last year. At least I thought they were fun. I guess we'll find out from you. Uh, but one is Hockey IQ, where I like to just take some random trivia and, and get players and coaches, see what they what they know. Uh, and I thought it would be a good idea for this week. We'll, we would start with the coaches and get kind of a baseline because the history that I'm most uh, aware of from my fandom and my youth, uh, well, they were playing in the league at that time. So if I know about it, they probably know about it. But uh, for, for your sake, to get, let you play the, the home edition, uh, we'll, we'll play the, the, the audio. But ahead of time, just so there's no chance for you guys to cheat, here are the questions that we covered we discussed uh, who, uh, what number did Mario Lemieux wear when he was playing. Uh, what was our second question? Second question. See, I've already forgotten. We asked uh, who scored the first goal in VGK history. We asked which current NHL coach as a player led the team uh, as captain to a Stanley Cup of the I word that terribly. Let me try that again. Which current NHL team led the team that he is currently coaching as captain to a Stanley Cup during his player days? Uh, and then our last question was, which 1980 U.S. Olympic team member won a Stanley Cup during that same 1980 season? That'd be the 1979-80 uh, campaign. Uh, and then for bonus, we said, how many 700-goal club members can you name? So let's let's hear how assistant coach Jamie Heward, assistant coach Joel Ward, and Fred Brathwaite hopped in as well, how they did with our first edition this year of Hockey IQ. Assistant coaches Jamie Heward and Joel Ward, question number one, what number did Mario Lemieux wear? Uh, 66. Question two, which was the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup and in which year? Montreal, 93. Oh, Correct, Fred Brathwaite hopping in. Question three, who scored the first goal in VGK history? I think it might have been Thomas Nelson. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure, but that's what I'm thinking. That's, that's what we're thinking. Number four, who is the only current head coach in the National Hockey League to captain the team he currently coaches to a Stanley Cup as a player? Rod Brendamore. Number five, which member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice U.S. Olympic team won a Stanley Cup that same season? Defenseman for the Islanders. Uh, Right-handed shot. Ken Morrow. Ken Morrow. Oh, yes. I, was say, I, I knew it. I just The bonus round. There are eight members of the 700 Goal Club. Name as many as you can. Uh, Yarmar Yager. Brad Hall. Uh, is there? Is Wayne Gretzky on that list? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Gordy Howe. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Brad Hall. Yeah. Yarmer Yager, uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin. Oh my goodness! Mike oh, Mario, Mike Gardner. No. 
Mike Carter? 690. Mike Bossy? Nope. Okay. Didn't play long enough. Dion? Yes. <gasps> You're missing one. No! You got seven of eight, you did pretty good. Henderson Silver Knights coaching staff is uh, just to, to run you through quickly the answers that we that we got for question number one of course Mario Lemieux wore number 66 the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup were the Montreal Canadiens in 1993 Thomas Nosek had the first goal in VGK history you might have heard the coaches laughing after that answer that's because video coach Andrew Doty uh, snuck in as the phone a friend help on that one of course Fred Brathwaite wouldn't admit that over radio he just says he has the right answer so smart man uh, but Thomas Nosek is the correct answer. Rod Brendamore was the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes when they won the Stanley Cup in 2006. Uh, and he is now the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. And Ken Morrow won both a gold medal with the 1980 Miracle on Ice Olympic team and a Stanley Cup ring with the New York Islanders later that same year. The 700 Gold Club is occupied by Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, Yarmir Yager, Brett Hull, Phil Esposito, Marcel Dion, um, Mike Gartner, and who's the one I'm leaving out now? Shame on me. Well, you heard the segment. You get the idea. <laughs> um, but uh, that was fun. We'll bring that one back every now and then, and uh, hopefully you all get a chance to play at home. Maybe we'll give out some prizes for those of you who uh, can come up with the most right answers. I'll workshop that, and we'll figure it out. Well, we only have a few minutes left in the show, but just to, to revisit the Jack Eichel news, because, of course, that is what's dominating the VGK landscape today. I think there are a couple of things that are interesting to draw from the uh, comments we played from Kelly McCrimmon earlier. First of all, the idea that you need to give something to get something. And we've seen the Golden Knights do that a few times already in just their uh, four-plus years of existence. The uh, trade of... Uh, Eric Brandstrom to bring in Mark Stone, the trade of Nick Suzuki to bring over Max Pacioretty, uh, the trade uh, of, of course, today Peyton Krebs along with Alex Tuck to bring in Jack Eichel. The idea that it, it you have to give something to get something. And fans love, of every organization in every sport, they love drafting a young, promising player, watching that player grow, and seeing that growth bear fruit at the National Hockey League level. Now, there's a reason for that. I mean, you know, th there's obviously the attachment you get to players over time. The idea of something being homegrown is popular. I mean, heck, we are, you know, this is a radio show for the Henderson Silver Knights. That's, that's half of what this organization is about, producing talent for the NHL level. But there's something to be said for what players are when they're drafted. They are assets that can appreciate either way, either in terms of that player's own development and becoming a tool for the team or the value that player will have to another organization to bring something proven. And for the Vegas Golden Knights who are in win-now mode, and they've been in win-now mode since basically a month and a half into their first season here in Vegas, even if you know a player, you have a young player, even if you expect them to be successful, and Kelly McCrimmon said he hopes nothing but the best for Peyton Krebs, that he be successful and have a long, strong career. Uh, no different than what we're seeing from Nick Suzuki in Montreal right now, a player who's going to be very good and very impactful in the NHL for a long time. Even if that's what you expect, there's something to be gained by getting a sure thing right now. And I don't know that there's any... Let's put it this way. If you start a redraft and put Jack Eichel in, an NA, you know, in a fantasy draft with the entire league 
a healthy Jack Eichel is going to go very, very, very high. So you really can't get too uh, hung up on what the price is going to cost uh, in terms of what you're giving away. It's going to cost something to bring one of the best players in the National Hockey League to Vegas, uh, and that was a cost that was worth uh, undertaking. And for the for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, they now have one of the top centermen in the world when he is healthy, and he will be at some point. And when that happens, again, probably it sounds like it'll be a couple months down the road. Uh, they'll, it'll be like a trade deadline acquisition. But for the Vegas Golden Knights, not every fan base can see a big player on the market and assume that their team is going to be in the mix for it every single time. Whenever there's a big name on the market, as Kelly McCrimmon says, they're not in on every deal, but if there's a big-name player that's going to improve their roster, the Vegas Golden Knights make that phone call, and more often than not, they've found a way to make it work. So big news in the Vegas Valley, and now we'll wait to see what the results are when Jack Eichel is ready to lace them up. That'll do it for our program today. Special thanks to Braden Pahal and Kim Frank for joining us. We'll be back on the air for the Vegas Golden, for the Henderson Silver Knights and the Tucson Roadrunners tomorrow night, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock puck drop. And don't forget, Military Appreciation Night is on Saturday at the Orleans. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week on HSK Today.